Good morning. We do welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. We gather as a diverse and inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. This is a place where you can bring your whole self, your full identity, your questioning mind, and your expansive heart. Jean Olson writes, May you be brave enough to expose your aching woundedness and reveal your vulnerability. May you speak your deepest truths knowing that they will change you as you do. May you sing the music within you, composing your own melody, playing your song with all your heart. May you draw, sculpt, and sew showing the world your vision. May you write letters, poetry, slogans, graffiti, the great novel, laying bare your words to love and hate. May you love even though your heart breaks again and again. And until the end of your days, may your life be filled with possibilities and courage. Today's service is about the topic of integrity. Jean Olson speaks to ways we might choose to live that would help us feel like we are living a life of integrity. Today we have four members who have bravely agreed to share with you their thoughts on the topic of integrity. I say bravely because it's not easy to stand up in front of the congregation speaking one's truth and revealing who we are at our core. Yet, I find that one of the best benefits of being a part of this congregation is the opportunity to hear and learn from other members as they share about their life journey. I thank them for sharing themselves with us today. Come, let us enter worship together. To be humble, to be kind, it is the giving of the peace in your mind To a stranger, to a friend To give in such a way that has no end We are love, we are one We are how we treat each other when the day is done We are peace, we are war
understand the story a little bit, okay? So let's get started. Once upon a time, in a village, there was a man who loved to gossip. What does it mean to gossip? Tell other stuff about people. Anybody else? Talk about other people behind their backs. Tell stories about other people. Well, this guy loved to gossip. He would take any piece of gossip, the juiciest pieces of gossip, and he would tell everybody. He didn't even care if the stories were true. He never bothered to ask. He just liked to tell all everybody else's stories. So one day, after hearing a rabbi speak about the harm that gossip causes, the man went to the rabbi feeling very sad. He realized he had been doing some harm. So he said, Rabbi, I'm so sorry for all the pain that I've caused, and I promise I will not gossip anymore. I repent. Can I be forgiven for what I've done? And the rabbi said, of course. And he said, but what should I do? How should I get my integrity back? What's integrity? I don't even, anybody? Blaze? Yourself, the, fe- the meaning of your, the, the, who you are, integrity is being honest, being good. Yes? Through friendship, you can have integrity through friendship, absolutely. So the rabbi said, well, this is what you need to do. You need to go home and find a pillow. Oh, I have one right here. I want you to find a feather pillow. This one's pretty soft, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's really soft. It's got feathers in it. Yeah. And I want you to open up the pillow. I want you to cut it open. And I want you to wave that pillow into the wind until all the feathers are out of the pillow. The man thought this was a strange request. He said, well, okay. I guess that's what I'll do. So he took the pillow, he cut it open, and he waved it out into the wind until there were no feathers left. Then he returned to the rabbi and he said, okay, I've done what you asked me to do. Am I forgiven? And the rabbi said, you must do one more thing. And the man said, all right, what should I do? 
And the rabbi said, now go find all of those feathers and stuff them back in the pillow. <laughs> what? Do you think he could do that? Why can't he do that? They're everywhere. They've blown to different towns. He, there's no way he could find all of the feathers. They could have gone to different countries. You're absolutely right. And he said, that's so impossible. They've flown all over the place, and I don't know where most of them have traveled. And the rabbi said, so it is with your words. You do not know where your gossip or your rumors travel. And once words have been uttered, they can't be taken back. And that's when the man understood, and he never gossiped again. of life and love draw near. We stand at the start of a new year, one full of possibilities. Last year may have left us with feelings of joy or sorrow as we lived through what life brought our way. In this new year, let us begin from where we are, open to experiencing more hope, compassion, gratitude, and joy. Let us also bring our energy, resolve, and creativity to any difficulties we encounter. Help us remember that we do not face life's challenges alone, but we are all part of a loving community that is here for us when we need it. Amen. Uh, this is a song that I just finished. It's called Loveliness. And I was hesitant to sing it this morning, but after that beautiful opening reading, I decided today, now is the time. <laughs> what if I'm honest? What if I admit to you that some things haven't changed and all that I've been thinking through? It's a silly old story. I gotta let go, but I'm holding on for dear life. What if I'm struggling, falling and tumbling in the beauty of my humanness, broken and fumbling, but you're here to stay. You're not walking away from the unpredictable moments of the night. Well, out on this road, I've been walking with you. We've been searching our souls and the words become true with our eyes on the promise of an intimate moment. Sometimes it feels lonely, sometimes it's just loveliness. There's no doubt it's given, it's hard to be feeling so fragile, so human, so real in this living. As we go down the road, we're never all alone. May the love that goes between us be our plan. 
This is how it feels to be staring into the eyes of a human relationship with a laugh and a cry. With hearts broken open, we're ready for the ride and our hunger's in the palm of God's hand. Now out on this road, I've been walking with you. We've been searching our souls and the words become true with our eyes on the promise of an intimate moment. Sometimes it feels lonely, sometimes it's just loveliness. Who are you and why do we look away? We're longing for the truth and we stay when we're afraid. My promise is a song and my heart becomes the vow. My soul will shine the light cause my body's running down and I need you. Yes, I do. Yes, I love you. Yes, I do. What if I'm honest? What if I admit to you that something's really changed? And every time I think of you, I'm so glad for the story. We're blessed with all the glory and I'll hold you for the rest of my life. Out on this road, I've been walking with you. We've been searching our souls and the words become true. With our eyes on the promise of an intimate moment. Sometimes it feels lonely, sometimes it's just loveliness. Rachel Naomi Remens says, wholeness is never lost, it is only forgotten. This contrasts with the usual integrity advice. Build your character. Get better at being honest with others and yourself. It's about addition, we're told, being better, becoming more. But our faith, like Rachel Naomi Remen, says it's more complicated than that. Some subtraction is also needed. Removal needs to occur. The path needs cleared. And why? Well, because integrity isn't something, simply something we build, it's something already there. We, you, use talk mostly about inherent worth, but we also believe in inherent integrity. All the building blocks are sitting there waiting. They are, as Remen says, hidden like something we have put in the back of a drawer a long time ago. It's all a reminder that our integrity is much more closely tied to memory than we acknowledge. Those moments from our youth when we felt most truly ourselves, those mentors and models that departed wisdom about what really matters, it's all there, just forgotten. As the poet Charles Bukowski says, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? So friends, please don't make this month just about being better. Make some time to also be quiet. 
think of the hunt for integrity more like getting away from all the noise of the traffic so the song of the birds can be heard. Or like when we wandered off a bit too far into the woods as a kid. It could have been scary, but somehow we knew that all we had to do was stand and listen. We knew the call of our parents would soon come leading us back home. It's the same with the memories and our deepest selves. They are calling to us from the edge of the woods. All we have to do is stop and listen. What life lessons do you want to make an extra effort to remember? I have core beliefs and values that I try to remain faithful to just as you do. One of those core values is serving people, giving, and helping, and loving, regardless of social status, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of race. So, many years ago, in my search for truth, and I found a church who taught the same values that I held dear to me. I thought, great, I'm joining. I'm getting in on this. Because after all, they talked about love. They talked about serving. They talked about giving. They talked about making a difference in the world. Amen. Not only was I into the church, but I bought it hook, line, and sinker, and I dove in with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my soul. And at 23 years old, I enrolled in Johnson Bible University to become a minister because I believed in that so deeply in Knoxville, Tennessee. While enrolled as a student, I learned about a professor's wife, Mary Lou Martin, who was tutoring some students in the Lonsdale Housing Project. I thought that was a wonderful deal, but I also believed that it could, it could be enlarged. We could do more. So I spoke with a fellow student, Mickey Johnson, and he and I agreed that yes, we could do more. So we also met with about 10 to 15 of the Bible University students, got them on our side, and we began to tutor students and go into their apartments, and we were holding Bible studies in their apartments, and we were buying food for them, and we were bringing clothing to them. We even were able to uh, uh, pay for an eye doctor appointment for one little girl whose eyes went that way, and she called me the Bible school man. Hold me, hold me. I love her. She has, still has a dear place in my heart. So we were, we were tutoring and reaching people's needs and ministering to people, uh, about 30 to 50 uh, children. Time passes, and Mickey and I were asked to be student deacons on the, in the church board that was helping to sponsor that program, Lonsdale Christian Church. <clears throat> 
One board meeting, my values were challenged when at the board meeting, the discussion revolved around needing more money from the church, which is a common discussion among many churches. So the board, the chairman of the board stood and said, why do we have these black kids here? They bring in no money. What? (laughs) So in anger and confusion and surprise and shock, I mean, I, I, I I was shaken. I began to push myself away from the table to stand and address the gentleman when the professor who's sitting beside me, Professor Stan McDaniel, grabbed my arm and he said, let me address this issue. So he did. And he told them how we were changing lives and making a difference in the world. And we need not expect money from these children. So I felt I was fulfilling my purpose. I felt like I was remaining true to my values. Time goes by. The dean of students Dean Lau, yes, his first name was the same as his position. Dr. Dean Lau called me into his office and I thought, oh, he's gonna commend me for all the great work that we've been doing and all the children we've been tutoring and and, um, all the needs that we've been meeting. Yeah, perhaps my ego got in the way a little bit, but he called me into his office and he said, Randy, do you know you're missing chapel? Yeah. Well, you know, you're going to fail chapel because you're missing chapel. And we need you and those 10 and 15 students to be in chapel. We had chapel five days a week, 10 o'clock in the morning and 7 o'clock in the evening. Mickey and I and 10 to 15 students were missing chapel on Thursday evenings to tutor children. Also, Mickey and I would take another evening during the week and go visit the Lonsdale Projects, just visiting, just walking through, just meeting people. Johnson University is a university that brags about meeting people's needs and being evangelistic. I had a hard time while I was sitting there trying to balance and relate So when he said, do you know you fail chapel? I said, yes, I know I will fail chapel. And he said, well, you need to talk to the 10 to 15 students and let them know as well. I said, yes, sir, I will. So we met and I said, you have a choice. I spoke with Dean Lau and he said, we are going to fail chapel. You either passed or failed. There was no in between. You didn't get a C. So... If you want to fail chapel, you can continue to do what we're doing, or you can go to chapel. Your choice. Time goes by. Our group dwindled. Some of the students felt their GPA was important. It is. They needed to go to chapel. Mickey and I determined that what was more important were the needs of the children and their families. So we continued. I failed chapel, but I graduated from Johnson University, cum laude.
cum laude with honors. My values were challenged, but I feel like to this day, I remain true to my integrity and my values and my belief system. And if I had to do it again, I would do it again the same way. 18 years ago, I was presented with a situation and choices to make. The independent, unaffiliated community hospital in Lorain County that I had worked at for over 10 years was purchased. The group that bought it already had a contract food service management company on board, and the company that I worked for was being discharged at the end of our contract. Hospital dietetics and Food service management was the only work life I knew, and I wasn't sure what to do. Should I look for another job in healthcare, or spread my wings and look for a different opportunity in my profession? I job searched for a month or two and thought I had found the ideal situation. Downtown Akron meant no more one-hour commute each way. During my interview, I was asked how I felt about working with children with special needs. That's easy. Plenty of practice for me at home with that. I would be the coordinator for nutrition services for 1,400 at-risk children who were attending federally and state-funded preschool at 10 centers across Summit County. I would be living into my values. The salary and benefits were decent for the nonprofit world. I would be closer to home, and I would be making a difference in these children's lives. As we often learn, things are not always what they seem. I had a lot to learn about the administration of federal grants, as well as the culture of the agency. It was a pretty steep learning curve coming out of the hospital setting, but after a while, I got the hang of it. I loved traveling out to the centers to sit and eat meals with the little ones, planning food-related activities for them to do, writing menus, doing newsletters for the parents, teaching classes to them, and managing a staff of 18 cooks. Things were going along as they do, and while I liked what I was doing, there became a sameness to each month and each year. Between years three and four, I realized that this was not going to be my forever job. There was no room to move. There were conflicts um, on our team. For a number of reasons, I decided very early in 2007, which was year number five, that it would be my last. But I had yet to make a firm plan how and when to move on. One mid-February afternoon, I was called into the CEO's office. And when I walked in, my boss, the program director, was there. The CEO informed me that my food budget for the next year would be reduced by one-third. 
in order to fund a vision insurance plan for management. And I was expected to not let food or service quality suffer as a result. Ouch. I somehow managed to swallow my immediate reaction and exited his office as gracefully as was possible. At the end of the day, my partner, on the other hand, got the full brunt of my wrath <laughs> and very loud voice via cell phone on my drive north on Route 8. Seriously? Seriously. We were gonna take money away from feeding poor preschoolers to fund vision insurance for management? No, that was it. The final straw on top of the bundle that had been growing. I waited until the day after our triennial grant review in the spring was completed to hand in my notice. My conscience would not allow me to stay. I knew I had done good work. I knew I had made a difference for those 1,400 little ones, but it wasn't enough. I could not stay. Now, that said, I know I was able to make the choice I did relatively easily because of my middle class privilege and having a working spouse. I left without another job lined up, which we know is not highly recommended. The time I was unemployed allowed me the separation and clarity I needed for my next job search. Some mistakes should not be made twice. In preparing for today, I've revisited this incident and tried to look at it from different angles. What if I didn't have a working spouse? What if I was a single parent with these two special needs children and I couldn't find daycare? What if I couldn't leave because I was living paycheck to paycheck? What if there weren't any other professional opportunities in the area for me? What if, what if, what if so many things? Would I have made the same decision? I would like to believe and think that I would have, if not when I did as soon as I had another job. What remains crystal clear for me is that I had to listen to that still small voice inside me that told me if I were to continue to lead a life of purpose with integrity intact, I needed to move on. I did, and I have never looked back. Hello. My name is Andrew Rome, and I was glad to be asked to be part of this service about integrity today. But instead, I would like to talk about failure of a sort. <laughs> I used to think that integrity was the degree to which I live my life in line with my values, reflection, the tool I use to figure it out, and habits, the way I enact it. 
Lately, I've been exploring the limits of that perspective, or more plainly, feeling like a big old failure because living with integrity is damned hard. (laughs) I've got two main problems with how I've thought about integrity, complexity and compassion. We live in a complex world, globally connected, socially tied, beset on all sides by competing priorities. I'll give an example, my favorite, ethical eating. Often I think Unitarian Universalists have as deeply held beliefs about food as they do about the nature of God. (laughs) I consider the environmental impact of how my food was produced in deciding what to eat. I think about how to care for my body in deciding what to eat. I think about pleasure when I'm eating. I think about social cues and obligations when I'm eating. I think about cost. I think about all the other things I could be doing and thinking about when I'm thinking about eating. I think about eating a lot. But if I draw a Venn diagram with all the circles of all my values, there is very little room left at the center for me to feel good about. The world is too complex for me to use my values to prohibit me from participating in it. Instead, I use my values to guide me to what's good, and I live my life balancing multiple goods, knowing that each individual action will be flawed. I struggle with accepting flaws in myself. Sometimes shame over a past mistake or bad decision I've made will ruin an otherwise good day. Sometimes I pull away from relationships because I know surely they are judging me for that mistake I once made as harshly as I still judge myself. But one time, I went to Summer Institute and a service focused on this Mary Oliver poem, Wild Geese, told me, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. I think practicing compassion for myself is central to living with integrity. I think compassion for self enables us to practice genuine compassion with others and lets us find and balance the many good possibilities that our values guide us to. So I need to modify my working definition of integrity. Perhaps integrity could be a sustained, comprehensive commitment to values. That definition might allow me to navigate complex, imperfect choices using my good reflection tools, but without feeling as much shame and failure. My ability to change my thinking gives me hope, too. Consistency is good, but growth is even better. However I think about integrity right now, I can take heart in knowing that it will change. Perhaps in the coming years, I will learn something new and develop a new understanding. I hope so. Integrity. There are two definitions that I found 
Number one, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. Number two, the state of being whole and undivided. When I meditated on the word integrity, I closed my eyes and I asked myself, what does it mean to me? And the vision of the word was so close to my chest that I couldn't distinguish it from myself. Integrity is who I am, or at least who I very, very much would like to be. My, my partner Travis says that I'm a goody two-shoes. We joke about it. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm far from stainless. I grew up as a Gaudiya Vaishnava, as what most people know as a Hare Krishna, and the standards that I learned were very high and conservative. But they gave me a sense of joy, not a sense of restriction. I was not a normal teenager. When I was 14, I started chanting 16 rounds of japa every day. And that means I chanted the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, on each bead of my japa, which is 108 beads. And then I did that 15 more times. That takes about two hours every day. I did this for about four years until I was 18 and my social life and my meditation began to compete for room. <laughs> and my social life won out. <laughs> From the age of 15 to 17, I lived in an all-girls boarding school in Florida. We called it the ashram. We woke up at 3.30 a.m. to go to the temple for Mangalartik, their first service, which started at 4.30 a.m. And I sang kirtan and danced in front of the altar all before sunrise. We slept on mats on the floor, dressed in saris, didn't talk to boys. I loved it. Like I said, I was not a normal teenager. At that time, integrity to me was following the rules strictly and doing what I said I would do. I remember one morning sometime after I had graduated, I woke up around 7 a.m. and thought, oh, I'm in so much Maya. I slept in. <laughs> Maya means illusion. Well, let's just say things have only gone downhill since then. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think over the years, through my life's many ups and downs, heartbreaks and lessons, I've come to understand integrity in a deeper way. Integrity is showing up for your friend who just got divorced and cleaning their kitchen and holding their hand. Integrity is being kind even when you are having a hard time yourself. And generous even when you only have a little. Being a person of integrity is more than outward rules. It's a state of the heart, a heart full of love and humility and kindness. That is a golden type of integrity. Integrity is admitting your faults in an argument, accepting the blame when you're wrong, and not making excuses. Integrity is showing up for people and stepping up for people. When we're faced with a time of crisis, either our own or someone else's, our integrity is tested. Now that I'm a mother, I feel called to be a person of integrity even more. What I say and do, my son Shamasundar will say and do. 
I gotta walk my talk. It helps that I live with a personal trainer slash kung fu master slash streetwise man. He has challenged me to show up in my everyday activities as the person of integrity that I have always longed to be. Sometimes we need a reminder and a little kick in the pants to fight the good fight, dust off that youthful aspirational self, and keep on working towards our dreams. I invite you now to close your eyes. Think about the word integrity. What feeling does it bring? What is your history with it? What is your relationship with it? What would you like your relationship with integrity to be? I invite you to create a fresh acquaintance with integrity, one that is all your own. What is honesty to you with yourself, with others? What are your strong moral principles and how do they manifest in your life? How can you be in a state of wholeness? How can you be undivided? As we leave this place in pursuit of our mission to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community, I leave you with these thoughts from Miguel Angel Ruiz. Be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love.